and, and uh, that's because it's the Lord's day and, and the Lord has died and resurrected for our sins and now we get to gather weekly. And what a joy and a privilege it is to gather with the saints. I love seeing you guys out today and uh, good to have as well. Let's go ahead and get this out the way. JL's back today. So praise the Lord. We're thankful to have him back. And uh, when he came in here, it sounded like a circus come in here. It was, it was exciting, but, but it was good. So we're thankful to have JL back with us. And uh, we're continuing to pray for for his health as well. A couple of quick reminders. First of all, uh, for those VBS workers who missed last week's meeting, I won't even say shame on you or nothing like that. Just go see Cammie today if you can. She's got your t-shirt and a schedule for you, all right? So that way you know what to wear and you know when to wear it, all right? Should be pretty simple there. Uh, Tonight, um, Green Mountain Baptist Church is having their uh, revival services starting this morning with Harold Vaughn. And so that'll be some real good preaching. What we're going to do tonight is meet here at church and leave at 6.15 to head over there and go support them tonight. So if you want to ride the church van, church van's rolling out at 6.15. If you don't run to ride the church van, then Green Mountain is, is over at Green Mountain. So make your way there. But service starts at 7 o'clock. It'll be good preaching. They'll have some, some guest singers as well. And so plan on that if you are able. Um, and then as well... Uh, June the 7th, that's this Wednesday, we've got a night where you can either do one or two things to help us out here. One, uh, we'd like your help out either to decorate uh, for VBS, and I want to pause for a moment. I don't see all the ladies here, but there's a couple of the ladies here, but the, just the other day, there was about five or six ladies in the back, and they painted these backdrops. Wait till you guys see it Wednesday night. It's going to look great. This is going to look like a fireplace. They made stained glass. It, it's, it's really something, so praise the Lord for that. But everybody, we're going to put things together for decorating Wednesday night. Uh, at 6.30, um, and if you can't decorate, or if you're not good at decorating, uh, then you'll come with me, and uh, we're the not good at decorating group, all right? We're going to go out, and we're going to do some, some door knockers, door hangers, and flyers and stuff for VBS, so if you can, come out for that. Um, want to remind everyone, too, want to thank everyone, first of all, all the baby bottles on the back of the baby bottle campaign have been taken. Now we just need the rest of them to be filled and be brought back. You got until Father's Day, um, but... Uh, don't, don't forget there. Keep that in mind. As well for VBS snack donations, I think the list is full, so praise the Lord. So if you put your name on that list, just make sure you bring the, the snacks that you said you would bring. That would be a big help for VBS. I uh, just want to give you a verse this morning, and we'll pray and ask the Lord just to meet with us today. Psalm chapter 32, verse 11 says, Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Today, let me ask you this. Are you glad in the Lord? If you're saved, you ought to be glad in the Lord, right? That's the only place we can be glad in, right? We can't be glad too much in this world. We can't be too glad at the doctor's office. We can't even be too glad if we're sitting on our own couch, right? We can be happy for a moment. But to be glad in the Lord is a whole different ballgame. He says, if you're glad in the Lord, rejoice, ye righteous. If you've been saved today... The righteousness of Jesus Christ has been placed upon your account. Therefore, we've got everything to rejoice about. Today, if you've got nothing else to rejoice in, you might have come in here today and have gotten the worst news before you walked in the door. You might not have a penny to your name, but if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you've got every bit of reason to rejoice today. So let's rejoice. That's why we're here today. And he says, and shout for joy even. So that means you can even be excited about being joyful. If we can shout at a ball game, we can shout at church. Amen? We're not even asking you to swing from the chandeliers or run the aisles, but if we're saved, we should be happy that we're saved. Amen? 
And he says, all ye that are upright in heart. The only reason why any of us are upright in heart today is because the Lord made us upright. And so we want to praise Him for that today. So let's pray, and we're going to worship the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to You this day. We want to thank You for Your faithfulness. God, we're grateful that we can gather, we can worship You. Lord, help us now to be glad in You, to rejoice in You, to, to shout for joy for the salvation that You've brought to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray today if there's one who has uh, not been born again, who has never repented and trusted Christ, we pray that today that the Gospel would go forth, that they would hear it through the songs, they would hear it through the preaching. God, their hearts would be changed today, whether they would receive You by faith. We pray for every Christian today, Lord, that each one of us would be glad that we are here today, glad to be with the saints of God, glad to be in Your presence, that we would rejoice today for it. Lord, we thank You for this opportunity. We pray that everything that we say and do today would bring You glory and honor. And Lord, we just thank You for meeting with us. We pray, God, that Your Word would go forth and would be applied by Your Spirit. And God, we pray that we would receive it all by faith today. Everything today would be done by faith and would honor the name of Jesus. And it's His name we pray. Amen. Good to be back. I want to thank everybody for all the cards, the calls, the texts, and most of all, and above all, your prayers. And uh, the funniest card was one, I believe it's the first one I got. <laughs> I won't say who's saying it, but knowing him or her, that's probably who it came from. But uh, said, uh, don't be long, you'll be back on the dance floor. And at that time, I said, Lord, have mercy. That's a long ways from a dance floor for me. But I'll tell you what, it got a whole lot of chuckle out of it. And I, I appreciate that. There's a lot of fun in that. But praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And hallelujah. It's good to be back in the Lord's house. Amen. And good to see my second family, my church family. And I love y'all and miss y'all and appreciate you so much and I said that without getting choked up hallelujah praise the Lord <laughs> if you're able please stand and we'll start our worship and song this morning to the tune of hymn number 55 uh, Psalm 103.1 explains this song this way a psalm of David bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy Name. Sing out. Bless his holy name. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his
the people said amen to that. Our second song is uh, Victory in Jesus, hymn number 353. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 explains this song. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through, it's all through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when we get to the word bought and uh, blood, you know what we're supposed to do. Shout sold and praise the Lord. All right. Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever Get ready He sought me and he bowed so with his redeeming blood, praise God. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing of his cleansing power. How he made the lame to walk again And caused the blind to see And then I cried, dear Jesus Come and heal my broken spirit And somehow Jesus came and brought To me the victory Oh, victory God, he loved me ere I knew him, and 
next song is 308, There Is a Redeemer. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us, But of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification, last but not least, and redemption. Amen. There is a Redeemer. preference you may uh, move about shake hands give hugs whatever's appropriate to honor and glorify the Lord and make everybody feel welcome and this will be our greeting time
All right, and praise the Lord for a little fellowship. Good to see everybody. Good to shake hands. Good to give hugs. All to the glory and honor of God. Amen. So if you would, make your way back to your seats. We have a very, very special surprise for you right now. Our brother Teddy Turner is going to sing a special here, and we're so glad he's going to do that. So y'all make him feel welcome and give him an applause. Come on, Mr. Teddy. Oh, no. 
is greater than serve the Savior. My life is greater than serve the Savior. Thank you, Teddy. Teddy said, what do I think? What do y'all think? I think you've done a good job, don't y'all? I tell you, if anybody or any song glorified God in any more than what Teddy just did and sung, I think what he did really come from the heart. And thank you, Teddy. God bless you. Yeah. Touch my heart. And a great message in the song, too. Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I didn't forget to pray. It's a wonder. <laughs> All right. Pray with me if you would. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the privilege and honor to be back in your house, to be back up here singing. Lord, I don't deserve it. Lord, any, anything, Lord, that you've done for me, I don't deserve it. But I praise you and thank you for your mercy and your grace and for the opportunity to be here in your house. And I pray that on behalf of everyone here, Lord. Lord, we, we come here, Lord, uh, expecting to praise you, to honor you, to glorify you in everything said and done. And we want you to have the preeminence here today as we worship you in song and in preaching and fellowship toward one another. And Lord, I ask, Lord, you just uh, receive our worship and uh, May it be pleasing to you. Lord, please speak to each heart that's here, uh, including mine, Lord, and pray, Lord, that uh, Lord, that we would be changed, we'd be challenged, and, Lord, we would do things as we walk out of this house to honor and glorify you and, and be a different person for you. Bless our pastor as he brings a message and use him as your mouthpiece this morning. And give him liberty and boldness and strength to proclaim the great truths from thy word in the message that you give him for us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand. We'll sing one more song here, Worthy is the Lamb. A great song because our Lamb, our Savior, our Lord, he is worthy. Revelation 5.12 tells us, saying with a loud voice. Now remember, this is Revelation. This is getting toward the end times. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That's our Lord to receive all those things. Honor and glory and blessings. Again at the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. 
Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. We crown you now with many crowns. You reign The darling of heaven crucified, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know your forgiveness and embrace. Amen. Thankful for the worship this morning, for the songs that we could sing to the Lord. He is worthy. And as we have heard said already, read about, sung about, the Lord is worthy because He came and He died for us. He rose again. We serve a risen Savior. The Lamb of God is upon the throne. One day that same Lamb of God, by the way, is going to judge this world in absolute wrath. And He will do so righteously and justly. And I thank God that that same Lamb who has shed His blood for us is going to call us out of here before that day. I'm looking forward to that day. And I know this, that that same Lamb is going to make all things new. And there we shall worship the Lamb in the new heavens and the new earth. We won't need need of the, the sun, the moon, and the stars because the Lamb Himself will be the light thereof. I can't fathom the beauty of what eternity is going to look like, but I know that Jesus is there, the Lamb is there, and that's enough. Take your Bible and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 5 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter number 5. 
This morning we're going to be looking at what it means to love the Lord's Day. I love the Lord's Day. I love Sundays. Now every pastor, and I can tell you this, I was telling somebody earlier this week, every pastor that I know, we all have a saying that is sort of a collective saying that every pastor says. We're not even taught this in Bible college or anything, but it's this. Sunday is coming. Sunday's coming. I know this, that the moment I step down here, right? And here's what this means for us pastors. The moment I step down this morning, next Sunday's coming, right? I've got to be ready all week long. I've got to be getting filled up, prayed up, stayed up all week long with the Lord. In order to come back and do this all over, I know Sunday is coming, right? Now, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Day, a day of rest today. And, and for many, they say that's the hour of work that we get out of preachers, right? Each week, that one hour. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I worked a whole hour. Man, y'all make it easy. No, but Sunday is coming. And we've got to understand this is not just a pastor cliche, but when you and I understand that every week, the resurrection day, the day that we celebrate the gospel together as a gathered group of believers, if we understood that Sunday's always coming, it should change Monday through Saturday. But if we're not living Monday through Saturday for the Lord, we're not going to live Sunday for the Lord. And the problem is this. Y'all remember a time before I was born, and I'm not trying to age you here, but you remember a time when Sundays, everything was shut down. You, the only place that was open was church. That was it, right? Now everything's open, right? As a matter of fact, I guarantee you, and I'm not faulting you for going out to eat today, but most of us, we're going to go out, we're going to go out to eat, we're going to go home, right? All that stuff. You can go to the grocery store. You can go anywhere today, right? Why is that? It's no longer sacred. Now, it's never been sacred to the lost world. The problem is that when the Lord's Day is no longer sacred to the church, we're in deep. Right? Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 to 15. The Word of God says, Keep the Sabbath day, He says, to sanctify it. Now, first of all, sanctify. Before we get too deep in the message today, sanctify means a set apart. It is something that is clean, something that is holy. It means it's different than everything else, right? And now, uh, you think, for most folks, right, the average redneck Christian, right, we've got the bar on Saturday night, the Bible on Sunday, right? That's not good, is it? What's happened is every, every Sabbath day has no longer been sacred to the Christian, therefore every day of the week is no longer sacred, therefore there's nothing sacred for the Christian, which means we're living just like the world. That's a problem, right? The Lord's day is important. He says, keep it. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Pastor Joe does not tell you to come to church. God does. Pastor Joe doesn't tell you to come more than just Sunday or to read you about prayer or anything. God does. God has commanded us, but He's not just commanded us with things just to do for busy work. He's not just commanded us for stuff that is of no benefit. Matter of fact, everything He's commanded us to do by the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that abides in every believer, He has enabled us and equipped us to do what He's called us to do. The issue is we have made God's commands a burden instead of a blessing. We have made the commands of God to be something that is a weight pressed upon us. I want you to know we are saved by grace through faith. It has lifted us up and out of the weight 
of the law. And what you and I find this, though, now we might be freed from it, but now we are free to obey God's commands. It is a joy and a privilege to gather on the Lord's day. It should not be something I'm going, I don't know how we're going to make it church Sunday. I got this. It should be, I don't know how I'm going to make it anything else on Sunday, right? Verse 13, he says, Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, as everybody in the house, right? Nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. He says, it don't matter if you're the master or the slave, this day is to rest. That's nice, isn't it? That's a positive for us. Now, let's get into verse 15. He says, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt. Now, let's pause there. That word servant here, what's that mean? It's slave. They weren't just serving the Egyptians going, Oh, we just love the Egyptians so much, we want to serve them. They were enslaved to them for hundreds of years. Slaves in Egypt. He says, remember that time. And that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee, here's the book in, to keep the Sabbath day. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the reading of your word. We're grateful that we can worship you and praise your name. I pray that now, O God, that it would be you who preaches and teaches your word to your people. Open up hearts. Open up blinded eyes or scaled over eyes, God, that today every heart that is in this place today would see the importance of this Scripture for us, that we would see Christ and what He's done for us so that we can now freely come to You by prayer, that we can praise Your name, that we can trust You to do a work today. And God, I pray that You would get me out of the way, get each one of us out of the way. Lord, help us to get out of our own way. And Lord, that Your Word, Your Spirit would go forth and accomplish great things. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to say this morning that we waste the work of God when we waste the worship of God. You and I will never be workers until we're worshipers, right? And the greatest work that we're called to do to God, for God, by God, it is to worship God. To worship God, it begins with knowing God as He has revealed Himself by grace. Now we respond by faith. And the natural response to knowing God is that of worship. I want you to know every bit of your life is designed for you to worship the Lord with. From the moment that you walk in those back doors to the time that you go to bed tonight, it is to worship the Lord. You say, well, of course it's Sunday. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, come tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to a job that you don't like. Maybe you're the boss. Maybe, I don't know. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. No matter what your day looks like, week to week, day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, it is to be worship as unto the Lord. The problem is we view worship as a Sunday morning activity. It's like grocery shopping. We go, well, I know I've got to get the groceries done this week, or I've got to get the grass cut this week. This is not on our to-do list. This is the list. Worshiping God is the list for the Christian, right? It's not merely something to check off. It is the only thing in our life that matters. You say, well, does that mean that I should spend every waking minute in the church all day, every day? That's what we're talking about here. It means that as we leave this place after this Lord's Day, that the rest of our life, whether we eat, whether we sleep, whether we drink, whether we work, whether we play, it is to be unto the Lord. Now the problem is this that we have run into today. Is that we in modern Christianity, we want to just do a bunch of work and activity and we forget the important things, right? The, the, the things that matter most, which is the worship of God. You say, well, aren't we supposed to do some things for the Lord? Yes, but you'll never do anything for God until you worship God. 
As a matter of fact, God has ordered it that way. Adam was a worshiper in the garden before he was a worker. The reason why he sinned is because he put work in front of worship, and his work he failed at, which means he failed at his worship. And because he failed at worship, he failed at his work. What was his job? To keep that garden pure and clean before God, to keep his wife pure and clean before God, to keep himself clean and pure before God. And when we lose the worship of God, you can take the work of God out the window. Often we think that in order to worship God, we have to work, but we must see that the worship of God leads us to work for God. We gather here today to scatter out of here when we leave this place to go do the work of God that He has for you and your life. It does not matter what your occupation is when you leave this place. You don't work for whoever you work for. You work for the Lord. It doesn't matter whose name is on a paycheck sign at the top, to and from. It's to the Lord. God gives it. And God also receives it. It's for Him. It's Him. It's His. It's all His. Working for God always must lead us back to the worship of God. Watchman Nee once said, Carnal Christians crave works. Yet amid many labors, they are unable to maintain calm in their spirit. I'll pause there for a moment. Sadly, that sounds like most modern Christians today. They cannot fulfill God's orders quietly as can the spiritual believers. Their hearts are governed by outward matters being distracted with much serving. Luke 10.40 is a characteristic of the work of any soulish believer. They have not yet entered the rest of God. Here's the thing. You say, well, we're supposed to be, I want to be a worker for God. Good. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But you'd better want to be a worshiper of God much greater than you want to be a worker for God. Right? We had better want to desire more in our life to be with God and to know Him than we do to want to accomplish something for Him. Because most of the time when we want to accomplish something for God, it's because we want to be known as somebody who accomplished something. And we, the tagline is, for God. But we want to be known as someone who did something. For God, worship is selfless. It is giving of ourself, as we said last week, the idea of worship, it is a giving to God our, our mind's attention, our heart's affection. It is giving all of ourselves to Him. Now, worship is not a waste. This morning is not a waste. As a matter of fact, every service that we gather is not a waste. As a matter of fact, your daily devotions and your prayer life and your work life and your family life, it is not a waste. God is using it. And it is ultimately for us to have our hearts bowed to Him in worship. Worship is not a waste, but it is the greatest blessing of work that we are called to. Spurgeon put it this way. He said, rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. Now here's the issue, though, that we're at. We've got two different spectrums in the church today. We've got those that want to work themselves to death and complain when others do not sign up on sign-up sheets or do anything. Well, guess what? You're doing all the work, so quit complaining. You signed up for it. You did it. Maybe you need to learn to rest. But then there's another group that needs to learn how to work, isn't there? We've got a group that needs to learn to work, but we've got another group that needs to learn to rest. And we've got the rest of us somewhere in the middle just trying to figure all this out. Here's the thing. There is only a work of God accomplished when we learn to rest in God. When we rest in the work and worship of God, the work of God will take place in our life. What we find is you and I, when we learn to be still, we'll learn to know how to be active. But until we learn to be still with God, we'll never learn to be active for God. That's how it works. This is God's order. This is not mine. I'm not calling the church today to be inactive. As a matter of fact, 
being still. This idea of knowing God and being still, this idea of resting in God is not an activity. Rest is a verb. Did you think about that? You might think, well, it's just to go to sleep. It's just to do nothing. God sometimes calls us to rest. I've seen many wonderful servants of God who have not learned to take care of their body or their spirit. And what has happened to them is that God has had to break them of either they're working too hard or they're working too little. Now look at this. As we move forward in this today, I want us to see that the Lord's day is sacred to us as it should be, as it must be. It is a day for rest and a multitude of things that we'll see. Now, as we've been looking at these commands thus far, we can learn from, from commands one through four here, right? What are they again? He says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Verse number six. Verse seven. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's number one. Number two. Thou shalt, make the, uh, thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them for the Lord thy God. Uh, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And number four, keep the Sabbath to sanctify it. What God is doing here in the first four commands is he's showing us how to worship him. We are to worship God rightly. We are to worship God reverently. We are to worship God regularly. That is our life, to know him. As we say here, to know Christ and make Him known. We'll never make Him known unless we know Him. And to know Him means to obey Him, to trust Him, to worship Him, to adore Him, to be empowered by Him, to be strengthened by Him, to rest in Him. God has given us the instructions and the Gospel enables us to obey. Let's go ahead and help out everybody this morning. All right, Y'all look up here for a minute. I want to help you out today. Y'all ready? In your flesh, you can't keep command one, two, three, or four. Does that mean to quit trying? Is Pastor Joe telling you to break the commands of God? No. He's telling you to obey them how God has equipped us to obey them. By surrendering of our own will unto the will of God. By getting into the Word of God of which He's given to us. And by making our life sanctified unto the Lord. Not merely just a day or a moment to not make God a part of our life, but to make sure that God is our life because He is whether you realize it or not. When we look to Christ, to His death, His burial, His resurrection, what we find is all of our hope, all of our confidence, all of our blessed assurance that Jesus is ours and that now we are free to serve Him. We are equipped and enabled to serve the Lord our God and to obey what He has called us to do. Understanding the Sabbath day, I want to look first of all at this Jewish perspective during that time. As Deuteronomy being given to the Israelites once more, this is the new generation of, of Israelites. They're trying to get into the promised land, but thus far they've had to back up and punt a whole bunch. And as a matter of fact, I think they've gotten sacked and fumbled a couple times because of their sin. Now what we find is that now they're at the place and they are getting to enter in here in a short while and Moses is re-giving them the law. He's telling them, This is who God is. This is what He's like. 
This is what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. This is what he desires for us. Why? Because God's a bully? No, because God is worthy. He's the lamb who is worthy that we just talked about. And because God is God, no matter what he commands, we are called to obey. Why? He is God, and whatever he commands, we are to obey. That's the answer. We are not God. Now, the Jewish Sabbath, according to the law, it was a seventh day. Now, at that time, it would have been Saturday. And go ahead this morning. Understand this. We meet on Sundays for a reason in the New Testament because that's the day, first day of the week that Christ rose from the dead. Anyone that comes and offers you literature and tells you that you need to worship on Saturdays and quit eating sausage biscuits, tell them to keep on going and don't stop at your neighbor's house. Eat that sausage biscuit to the glory of God and keep meeting on Sundays. All right? People that tell you that you have to keep the law in order to be saved or add that to the gospel, Paul calls them that they are to be accursed because they preach a false gospel. They are accursed. Matter of fact, I'd tell you this. Grab a sausage biscuit, eat it on a Saturday, and tell them, bye. That's it. Jesus rose from the dead on the first day. That's why we meet. Now for the Jew at this time, this seventh day was big for them. Matter of fact, you might remember a time in your life when Sunday was the day. That's when you might have had your bath. <laughs> you put on, I remember putting on church clothes when we still called them that, right? We called them church clothes. You knew you were going to church. It was a different day than the rest of the days. Every other day, you were going to school, to work, to play. But on the Lord's Day on Sunday, you was going to church. We dressed like it, talked like it, acted like it. We knew that day was coming. No matter where we were in our calendar, Sunday was coming. But it changed somewhere for many of us, didn't it? For the Israelites, the same had happened. Now, for them, that seventh day was to be a day of rest from six days of labor, as God designed. We'll get into that in a moment. And a day set aside as holy unto the Lord to privately and publicly worship Him. This is why we say this over and over and over again. Just because we're in church does not mean this is the only place that worship happens. We gather here to worship God so that you'll go and worship God out there. Now, here's the thing. If we're not coming here to the gas station to worship with the saints of God, you're not going to be filled up a whole lot to get out there and worship on your own. As a matter of fact, I would say this as well. The other side of that, if you are not daily in your Bible and in prayer worshiping the Lord on your own, you won't give a flying rip about Sunday. It will be just another day. The Lord must be sanctified on Sunday through Sunday. Every day. We either belong to Him or not. As we look at this, we see the importance that it meant to the Jewish mind. And to be honest today, I could give you all sorts of things about the Jewish Sabbath day, and you and I would just kind of go, okay. Because we don't understand the Jewish mindset. But you and I have got to get back to the mindset where we understand what the Lord's Day is all about. Now the Christian Lord's Day, Jesus is, first of all, our Sabbath and our rest. I'm thankful that the Bible in the New Testament tells us in several places that when those come along and they say, hey, in order to be a good Christian, you've got to keep this certain holiday or you've got to keep this or that. Matter of fact, there's another group of people besides the ones that are telling you don't eat sausage biscuits and, and, and only worship on Saturdays. There's other groups that are out there trying to tell folks today not only that they've got to keep the law and all of these things, but that they're pushing down this 
this uh, agenda that what Christ has established for the church is not enough. Ultimately is what it is. It is a false religion. It is a false gospel. What they are teaching is that Christ isn't enough. They're teaching us to keep the Jewish feasts. I want you to know, I'm not a Jew. I don't have to keep those feasts. matter of fact, they probably should go ahead and quit and repent and believe the gospel. We see this. The reason why this is important is because if you and I view the Sabbath day incorrectly, it's because we view God incorrectly. But here's the real problem with this. If we're not viewing it in light of the gospel, we've missed the point of the Sabbath day. We've missed the point that Jesus is our eternal Sabbath. He is our rest both now and forever. He's enabled and allowed us to rest physically on this day of the week and spiritually this day of the week. It should be a relaxing to come to church. Now, if you've got to wrangle some kids, I get that. It's probably not going to be very relaxing, right? Nevertheless, it is the most joyful thing, and I love keep bringing them kids. You know why? Because you're teaching them that the Lord's day matters. You're teaching them to love God and obey God. So you keep wrestling them velociraptors. You bring them here. They, we will serve them and you as much as we can. And if there's any way that we can help you get them in, dressed, sit here, it, you let us know. We want families here. Why? Because God wants families here. The Lord made this day. As a matter of fact, we find that Jesus is not only our Sabbath and our rest, but each Lord's Day reminds us of the Gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection morning of Jesus Christ and looks forward to the eternal resurrection, the eternal Sabbath, the eternal day of rest. Now look what Jesus tells us here. Mark chapter 2, verse 23 tells us this. It says, And it came to pass that He went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. Uh-oh. And his disciples began, and they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees, well, what? let me ask you this. Yeah, anybody ever read that passage? And went, well, what are the Pharisees doing out in the cornfield on a, on a Saturday? They're just out there being nosy. That's what they're doing. They're out there being busybodies. We got that today too, don't we? Never mind a Pharisee. Pluck some corn to the glory of God. Here's what he says. The Pharisees say to him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? He's saying, your disciples are working. Are they working or are they trying to eat? Look at what Jesus says. Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was hungered? He and they that were with him. How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread which is not lawful to eat but for the priests and gave also to them which were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not Man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And he entered in again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Now if it's the next day, oh, that's fine, heal away Jesus. But on the Sabbath day, that's work. You can't do that. Ain't that crazy? It's not far from many Baptists today. Pharisees are an awful lot more Baptists than what we realize. Or vice versa, I'm afraid. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto him, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Pharisee can't say nothing to the word. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness on their hearts, 
He said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. I believe that the Lord loves the Sabbath day. Matter of fact, He made this day for us. He says the Sabbath was made for man. Therefore, the Son of Man, Jesus, is the Lord of the Sabbath. So the Lord's day is a day for each believing heart and home to do four things, and that's what we're going to look at now, and I'm going to go quickly through them. The four things are this. It's for us to rest, for us to remember, for us to rejoice, and repeat. Y'all ever seen that on the shampoo bottles, right? Y'all seen it lather, rinse, repeat? I don't do that repeating part on it, but I, I just wash it the one time we roll on, it'll be okay. My hair's still j- just as fine. Now we want to look here today, first of all, back in Deuteronomy. That this was meant for rest. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 12, Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Now Sabbath itself is the idea of rest. It is a pause. It is a break. This is why they had more than just the weekly Sabbath, and this is why it's important when we look at the life of Jesus and we see all the different feasts. They had Sabbath weeks. They had high Sabbath days. They had all kinds of Sabbath. They did some resting and some rejoicing in the Lord. Matter of fact, many of the Many of the feasts that the Jewish people celebrated were just to do that. They rested from work and rejoiced in the Lord. And here's what ultimately it was for them to do. It was for them to rest, remember, rejoice, repeat. Because our week revolves around Sunday. Now, it's been some famous songs out there, right? Everybody's working for the weekend, right? Y'all have all heard on the radio, 5 o'clock on Friday evening, you crank it up, you're all excited to get off work. Everybody has got to understand that we work for the Lord, first of all. Two, we work so we can rest in the Lord and in His work. The Sabbath day was established for rest since the very beginning of God's creative week. The account in Exodus where God first gives the law, it alludes to this, but I want to turn your attention for just a moment. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 tells us, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made, and God blessed the seventh day. He blessed it and sanctified it because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. Now, if you've been in our Genesis study on Wednesday nights, you know this. This does not mean that God stopped working, because if God stopped working or God stopped doing anything, all of the universe would collapse in and on of itself. All right. What this means is, why does it say God rested? It means in the actual language that He ceased to make something new. Why? Because He had made everything that needed to get made. As a matter of fact, the peak of His creation was the day before when He made mankind. Notice this. When does the Sabbath day get created? After man. Why? Because He's made man to work, but He's also made man to rest. Some of the problem in our homes is that we work so hard for the American dream and we work so little to serve the Lord. Sometimes the the reason why we struggle so much financially is because we're striving to work and what we're doing is we're working against God's will, which is to rest in Him. I want you to know you could work seven days a week and still never be satisfied financially. You could work sun up to sundown. You could take on every extra shift, but I want you to know you're going to do a whole lot of this when you're older. You're going to miss those moments that you didn't get to have. Work. Pay your bills, 
Rest and serve the Lord. Our life has to look like that. If not, you will do what many say this phrase, work yourself to death. God didn't call us to do that. He said, work yourself to rest. He's given us a day to rest physically, to rest spiritually in Him. Now, work and worship go hand in hand as we've talked about already. Just as man was designed to work and worship, he was also designed to rest. Now, we both need physical and spiritual rest on the Lord's day. This day is meant for those Sunday afternoon drives or afternoon naps. But it also is meant for worship to gather together with the saints of God. Here's what your plans for every Sunday, 52 days a year, should look like. Worship the Lord, rest in the Lord, rest from your labor. We are now able to rest from our labor and to rest in His love. And it is His love that has given us the Sabbath day. Now I know up here I'm working, this is what I'm called to do. But for you today, and you know what I'm going to do this afternoon? I'm going to rest physically. We're going to rest spiritually. And you know what even coming in and singing and shaking hands is to do? To have you rest. It is a time of rest when you gather together with the children of God. It should be a time of reprieve from the world and from the attacks of the world. This should be a time where everything that is out there is shut out there. This is the reason why we still call this room, and I still will call this room, a sanctuary. It is to be a sanctuary, sanctified unto God, set apart for the presence of God and the people of God to gather in the presence of God to edify and encourage and equip one another, and to be edified, encouraged, and equipped, uh, to be reproved, rebuked, and exhorted with all long-suffering and doctrine, right? To, to hear the Word of God, to sing the Word of God, to sing to the incarnate Word of God, the very Lamb on the throne. This is a time that should fill us up, not drain us. Now, if it drains you to come to church, you ain't doing it right if we're drained coming to church and worshiping God and shaking hands and saying hi to our neighbor, let alone signing up to help out with VBS or whatever it is, we're doing it in the flesh, ain't we? We got a problem. Worshiping with the saints is not a burden. It is a blessing. The Lord's Day is not a burden to us. It is a blessing for us to come and to rest physically and spiritually in Him. This means I can lay aside all my work and I can trust in His. This means that even now Monday through Saturday when I am working that six-day work week, here's what I'm doing. All my work, I'm giving it to the Lord. It makes it a whole lot easier to rest on that seventh day. When I give my work Monday through Saturday, it's a whole lot easier to give my Sunday to Him. When I give my life to Him, it's a whole lot easier to give Him one day. Here's the thing. God is not looking for one hour of your day. He's not even, and I know we're talking about the Sabbath day here, the Lord's day here. He's not just talking about wanting one day of your life either. He wants all of your life. How do I know? In the same chapter that we've just read, He says, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Because here's what happens to us. If we're not sanctifying the Lord's day, it's because we're not sanctifying the Lord in our hearts. And here's what happens. Monday through Saturday, if we are not sanctifying the Lord and we're not looking forward to the Lord's day, then we will quickly fall into breaking commands 1, 2, and 3. That's idolatry. Which will quickly lead us into the rest of, verse, of, 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 of commands 5 through 10. And you say, well, I, 
Not going to honor, you know, honor mom, pa, I won't commit adultery. Well, we'll get into all that. We're going to find that you break one, you break all. And they're all interwoven. Why? Because every sin that we sin is against God. The Lord's day is to be a day of rest because it pictures that eternal rest that's coming. You know why? Look around for a moment. Take a minute. Look around. Look around. None of y'all are looking around. Don't pretend like you are. I can see you up here. <laughs> what do you see? You see people. You see people that you've seen. Some of you have known each other for decades. Some of you don't know who somebody is on the other side of the room. Guess what? If they're saved today, one day you are going to rest in an eternal heaven with them. You had better start liking them now. We had better learn to rest in the Lord now because one day we will rest in the Lord forever and forever. Don't wait for the destination of heaven to do what heaven is already supposed to do for us now, to cause us to rest in Him physically and spiritually. That all of our labor now is to be done through a love unto the Lord. All of life to be worship, to be for worship of God and to do the work that He's called us to do. Do that with all your might, all your strength. Come those six work days, but give the Lord's day what it's supposed to be. Rest. I want you to know, whatever project you got this afternoon, it will be there tomorrow. And if tomorrow doesn't come, whoo, you didn't have to do it. Amen. Scratch that one off the list. That's good. Now rest must be observed to set apart our lives unto God. You ever thought about how strange this is? On a Sunday, and this is the only day this week that you'll do it, only day next week you'll do it, you wake up, you put on nicer clothes than usual, you leave your house to go meet with a bunch of strangers, some strangers, some not, some are just strange. <laughs> you gather together, you shake hands, you have a bulletin, you sing songs together, you cry together, you pray together, you raise your hands up, you, you look like a fool, you got sweat stains on your dress and on your, on your nice shirt that you put on just that morning. It's weird to the world, but not to the Lord. Why? Because we wake up, we go, this is His day. I get to see my friends, my family, those who the blood of Jesus Christ has bought. Therefore, I belong you belong today as much to the church as you do to Christ. Everything that we do in our life as a Christian is much bigger than ourselves. But we have so individualized our spiritual walks that we have forgotten that the Lord's day is for the church. It's for us to rest together in Him, to be encouraged together, to help each other rest. Now does God have your total worship weekly? Daily? Does He have all of your attention and all of your affection this morning on the Lord's Day? If you're anything like me, many times we're distracted from the moment we wake up to the time we go to bed. If you're anything like me, we often waste the Lord's Day a lot. I'm guilty. But this is why the Gospel matters. Because the Gospel goes, though I have sinned, though my sins are many, His mercy is more, His grace is ever extended. In the grace of meeting come next Sunday. This is why for preachers, when I hear us, and I say it too, Sunday's coming. I'll have someone say, hey, can you do... Sunday's coming. But it should be on the other side of it. Sunday's coming. Because I can flub it up today, and I might have already. But I know that next Sunday's coming. 
And if it don't come and I'm in heaven, then that's fine. Matter of fact, it's better than fine. But Sunday is coming. The Lord's day is coming. This day of rest. We are called to rest from our work, to rest in His work. George Whitfield said, How sweet is rest after fatigue. How sweet will heaven be when our journey is ended. I want to give you the chorus of a hymn that was a favorite of Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China, a pioneer missionary, one of the ones in his area that served who had been martyred for the cause of Christ had a member of his family who wrote this hymn. Her name was Jean Pigott. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what Thou art. I am finding out the greatness of Thy loving heart. We ought to be able to be still enough on a Sunday to know that God loves us. We ought to be still enough and worshipful enough and reverent enough and regular enough on the Lord's day to know the greatness and the goodness of the love of God. Now, the second thing that we need today is not only this rest, but it's meant for us to remember. There's a reason why we come here every week and you're going to see several things that are going to be the same no matter when you come. We're going to gather. Alright, that's one. Two, we're going to pray. Three, we're going to read the Word. Four, we're going to preach the Word. Five, we're going to sing the Word. Six, we're going to do it all again. Right? Why? Because this is what the church is for. This is what holds us together. This is the glue. It's the DNA. This is why we exist. Now, if when we gather, we aren't remembering the Gospel, then we've missed the whole point of gathering in the first place. And two, when we leave this place, if you don't remember the Gospel come Monday through Saturday, you are going to be in misery even if you do come Sunday. Because all you're going to think about is the wasted work and the fruit of your hands and all this emptiness that this life brings. But on Sunday, we're entering the storehouse of God to rest and to remember His goodness. Now for Israel, he tells them in verse 15, remember that you were a slave, you were a servant in the land of Egypt. Israel was to remember their past condition that they were enslaved by Egypt. But not only that they were enslaved, but that then they were redeemed by God. He says, Remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that, notice he doesn't just say, just remember that you were a slave. He says, remember that the Lord, thy God, brought thee out thence through a mighty hand. Not through their hand, they had no might, they had no hand, but through his mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm. Meaning, God extended his mighty right hand, reached down, and redeemed his people. He says, remember your salvation. Most Christians today are in misery because either one, they're not actually a Christian, or two, they have forgotten what they've been saved from. When we forget the Gospel, we will quickly go to despair. We will quickly find ourselves to be worried and anxious over everything. And, and I will not deny that daily life does bring about anxieties, does it not? There's always bills, there's health, there's all sorts of worries. But here's what the Gospel does. It says, let the worries and the anxieties come because Christ is enough. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you... Y'all have read that one before. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Therefore, let the anxiety come. Let the problems come. Go to Jesus when they come, because they might keep coming, but Jesus stands firm as the rock the rock of ages that we can cling to. I believe it was Spurgeon who said something along the lines of that he was grateful for the waves that cast us back onto the rock. Therefore, find your rest 
in remembering who Jesus is, remembering your position in Him, that it is that you are saved, secured to the uttermost, forever, forever. There's none that can separate you. There's none that can condemn you. There is nothing now that stands between you and the Lord your God who has redeemed you with His mighty right hand that is outstretched to save you from the sin of the world. For sake of time today, you can go back and you can look and see in Exodus yourself read chapters 1 and 2 just read Exodus just read the whole book all right you ain't got nothing to do today except rest amen you read that and what you'll see is time again where Israel remembers how bad it was but then if we remember how bad something was we remember how good God is to deliver us from it he has saved us the rest only comes through remembering the gospel the law in many ways requires us to make mortar, but it doesn't give us straw. Here's the thing, without the Gospel, this law is overwhelming. But the Gospel overwhelms everything. The Gospel now equips us to obey God's commands. The work and person of Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, because He perfectly obeyed the law. Therefore, His perfect obedience is placed onto my account forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. Therefore, my only rest is found in remembering who He is and what He has done for me. And now we need this daily gospel preaching and living to our own hearts and weekly as we gathered publicly to worship the Lord. You had better in your private life preach the gospel to your heart or you will become woeful. You'd better come every week to hear that freshness. The old, old story. There's nothing like hearing the name of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like hearing about who He is and what He's done for us. And if the Lord's day has gotten old and stale to you, here's what will happen. You're in danger here. All right, And this is many Christians today. It might be you this morning. I want to help you. Please hear me. One of two things will happen. One, you will by grace through faith run back to the gospel that redeemed you and saved you and you will find your hope restored, your faith restored. You will get filled up on this restful Lord's Day and be charged up to go into the world once more and be able to come back and do it again. Or two, if the Lord's Day has grown stale for you, you will do this second thing and this is what many have done over the past few years you will go to the next thing down the road that is shining. You will try to find excitement again in the wrong way. If you need to get excited in your flesh to worship God, then I can tell you you're probably not worshiping God. Excitement comes from worshiping God in spirit and in truth. When our spirit is yielded to His spirit and we submit to His truth. If the gospel no longer excites you, there is something deeply wrong. If Jesus and gathering as the church no longer invigorates you and fills you up, I want you to know you're a step away either from going out that door and going down the road, or you're a step away from meeting God once more at this altar and having Him refresh your heart. Gather with the saints. Look around and see what the Lord's day is all about. Let me ask us this morning, do we honor the Lord's Day? Is the Gospel remembered more than on Sundays? 
Does our weak daily in our hearts and in our homes look to rest and remember and rejoice in the Lord our God? Here's that idea of rejoicing. If we rest in the work of God and we remember the work of God, we will rejoice in the work of God. We don't do a lot of rejoicing because we don't do a lot of resting and remembering. You say, well, I want to work for the Lord. Good, but wait. (laughs) Learn to worship God. Learn to know Him. Learn to rest in Him. Learn to rest in His works, and you will find that He will do greater works through you than you could ever do on your own. Rest in His work. Remember His work. Now rejoice in His work. The Christian life is one of complete and total private and public worship to God. You in your private life and your public life are either worshiping God or you are dishonoring God. And we don't like to look at it that way because we like to go, well, I'm just going to work or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. But if you do it under the Lord, that is worship. And if you don't do it under the Lord, it's not worship. Matter of fact, it's a breaking of commands one through four. Now we're starting all over again. We're going, man alive. What do we do here? Easy. Break that cycle, and the moment it comes, the moment sin rears its ugly head, and it will as long as you're in this flesh, get back to resting and remembering in the Lord Jesus Christ who He is and what He's done. His work is final. It's complete. Did Jesus die on the cross and say, it is partway finished? Did He say we're halfway there? No, He said it is finished. And it is finished. So rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our hearts and homes must rest in Christ. Our hearts and homes must remember Christ. Our hearts and our homes must rejoice in Christ. And I want you to know, those in your home will know if your heart yearns for the Lord's day or not. How you talk about Sunday morning worship, even those that attend Sunday morning worship, and boy, we do a lot of that. Maybe you have a a nice helping of roast preacher every now and again. Medium rare. It tells you what you think about the Lord's day. And it tells you what you think about the Lord. I want to honor the Lord, and I know you do too. So let's sanctify His day. But let's sanctify Him every day, or else that one day just ain't going to cut it, is it? Rejoicing in Christ is a blessing, not a burden. Private and public worship must be viewed as a blessing, as a privilege. We, on this Sunday, should be restful and remembering and rejoicing. It should lead us to be re-energized as we go out into this world that we can continue to repeat this whole process week by week, year by year, day by day even. Rejoicing is natural to those who have been redeemed. Rejoicing is not so natural to those who have not been redeemed. So you are either one of two things. They One, you need to repent, turn from your sins and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Find your rest from your religion and your work and your, your, your attempt to work your way to heaven and find your rest in Christ. Remember, His work is sufficient. It is complete. It's full. It's final. And all you can do is trust in Him. Turn to Him for salvation. He'll save you to the uttermost. And then rejoice in it. Here's the thing. It's not enough to rest and remember. It had better lead you to rejoicing or else you're not really resting and you're not really remembering. You're thinking of another gospel. The true gospel causes us to rejoice. And then the lastly, and this is our conclusion today, 
Repeat. Repeat. Daily, you had better get that gospel in your head and in your heart. Daily, that gospel had better be proclaimed in your home. Daily, that gospel had better be leading you to go, I can't wait to see my friends, my family on Sunday morning. I can't wait to sing with the saints of God. I can't wait to hear the Word of God preached. I can't wait to see what God convicts me of. (laughs) We don't think of it that way, do we? I can't wait for the Lord's day. Why? Because it's His day. He's given me all of Himself, therefore I ought to give Him every ounce of me I got. And I ain't got much to give. God knows you don't have much to give. But He says give it anyway because He can take a little and turn it into a waddle. He's done that. Time and time and time again. And that's who He is. The Lord's day is set apart, but each day must be. And we must repeatedly rest, remember, and rejoice in the Lord in our hearts privately in our homes, publicly. What you know, your home, you're in public. Those kids are watching. Your wife is watching. The neighbors are listening. It's public. This is public. Private and public go hand in hand. And ultimately, we are always in public display of the Lord our God. There's nowhere you, where you go, public or private, that He is not there. How you obey speak of, plan for, enjoy the Lord's day will impact your heart and your home. Does your family know your love for God's presence and His people? Or does your family think, you know, Dad tells us we're supposed to go to church. Or Mom and Dad, they huff and they puff about going. Or Mom and Dad always find a reason not to be here. We should be finding reasons to be here. And here's the reason and the only reason that matters Jesus died and rose again. If that's not enough to stir us up, we're we're in deep. The Christian life of loving the Lord's day. Here's this, and we're done. Rest in Christ. As we work for Christ, physically and spiritually, rest your body, rest your heart today in Jesus. I give you permission, take you a nap. Don't do no projects today. Enjoy the presence of God when you leave this place. Rest in Him. Second, remember Christ's work for us, in us, and through us in our coming eternity. Remember the promises of God. Third, Rejoice privately and publicly in your heart and your home. See the blessing of gathering weekly with God's people in praise. Fourth and final. Repeat this process in your heart and your home. Daily, weekly, build your life on the Lord and His day each week. As we stand to our feet this morning, we're going to have a time of invitation. Mr. Wayne's going to come and play the piano I want to remind you of the words of this hymn. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what Thou art. I am finding out the greatness of Thy loving heart. Has the Lord's day grown stale to you? Has it lost its luster? If so, come find that brightness again. Come find that life once more at this altar. Ask the Lord, Lord, 
Re-energize me. Help me to rest in you. Help me to remember who you are, what you've done. Help me to rejoice, Lord. And help me to repeat this daily. And when I leave this place today, two, if you don't know Christ, come let me take the Bible and show you Jesus. Today as this piano plays, this altar's open. Will you find your rest in Jesus?